بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا ورزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله We thank and we praise Allah Azza wa Jal As we are now starting our new course um, After completing the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran course We are moving on tonight to our next uh, Which is a short course Alhamdulillah Up until the month of Ramadan We have four weeks bi-idhnillahi ta'ala Wherein we will be discussing the morning and evening adhkar Yani the prophetic morning and evening adhkar, adhkaru sabah wal masa. So inshallah, in tonight's lecture, we will be discussing three main points. And that will be the importance and the benefits of these adhkar. What are these adhkar and the importance and the benefits of them? Yani how important is it in the life of a Muslim? And what are the benefits that they bring and the virtues that they have? And then secondly, we will speak about the timings of these adhkar. When are they supposed to be done? And then thirdly, we will speak about the method. Yani referring to how these adhkar are supposed to be done. Insha'Allah ta'ala. So these are the three main points that we will be discussing in tonight's lesson. And then next week, lesson two and after that three and four, we will be going through the adhkar, the list of the adhkar and giving a brief commentary on each dhikr. So that when we perform this, this, uh, these adhkar, we have a good understanding of what we are saying. We have a good understanding of the benefits of exactly what we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, if it's in case of a dua, or what we are saying even uh, in case of a, a dhikr and so forth. Because this is in reality the real benefit of any type of dhikr. It is that we say it with understanding and with comprehension and with khushu' And that khushu' only comes with True understanding, insha'Allah. So this is how we will go, um, how this course will go, bi-idhnillah. Today will be like a, like a fiqh of the morning and evening adhkar. And then following on from that, we will speak about uh, each dhikr in detail and go through um, how they should be done and the meanings of these adhkar, bi-idhnillah ta'ala. So first and foremost, the importance and benefits of the morning and evening adhkar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says to us in Surah Al-Ahzab, Ya ayyuhalladheena Oh you who believe, oh believers, remember Allah much. Udhkurullaha, remember Allah often. Dhikran kathira, often or much. Much remembrance, remember him with much remembrance. And glorify him. Make tasbih of him. And yet Allah specifies. Morning and evening. Morning and, and evening. In another verse, in Surah Qaf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ قَبْلَ طُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ وَقَبْلَ الْغُرُوبِ And glorify the places of your, of your Rabb, of your Lord, before sunrise and before sunset. Glorify the places of your Lord before sunrise and before sunset. And in one other verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِبَكَارِ And glorify the praises of your Lord morning and evening. So, within these three ayat, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is mentioning specifically dhikr. He is mentioning glorifying the praises of Allah, of Himself, of, of, our, of our Rabb. 
and then he specifies the time within which he wants us to glorify him and to remember him often and much. So yes, the instruction to remember Allah much is, is, is general and it's unrestricted. It's for all times. But Allah then specifies a specific time wherein he wants us to, to praise him and to remember him uh, in. So in the above verses, Allah Jalla Jalaluhu directly instructs his slaves to remember and to praise him in the mornings and the evenings. So direct instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the believers, this is when we should be praising him especially. And this is sufficient as an evidence for the importance of the morning and the evening adhkar. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the all-knowing, the all-wise, he mentioned it numerous times in the Quran, in the final revelation sent to insan, to mankind, and to jinkind. The final revelation sent, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeatedly says to us, Remember your Rabb, glorify his praises morning and evening. The fact that he repeats this and he specifies this time, this is already enough of an indication that there is something special about the morning time and the evening. And specifically about the dhikr that will be done within those times. Over and above that as an evidence, we find that Rasulullah teaches us in a number of ahadith things to recite during these times. So therefore we say that these adhkar are the best of ways. They are of the best ways to remember Allah and to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These adhkar to be recited within these times, yani the morning and the evening, they are of the best of adhkar. Because they are from the specific teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And within these adhkar we will find special rewards, virtues and protection, and they therefore take preference over any other general adhkar. So adhkar can be done anytime. Remembrance of Allah, anytime. Morning, evening, day, night, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, except of course you're in the, the hammam or the toilet and so forth. But otherwise we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's general dhikr. That which is specific takes preference over that which is general. And the Prophet specifically specified these adhkar in a number of ahadith. And we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specified these times when he wants us especially to remember him and to praise him in يعني the morning and the evening. So Al-Harith Al-Ash'ari, he narrates to us a hadith, a powerful hadith. When he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that he commands you to remember Allah. يعني Allah commands us to remember Allah. He commands you, O Sahaba, O the ones who he was addressing, to remember him. For indeed the parable of that is a man whose enemy quickly tracks him until he reaches an impermeable fortress in which he protects himself from them. This is how the worshipper is. He does not protect himself from the shaytan except by the remembrance of Allah. So this hadith, the reason why we're mentioning this hadith and as we all should know there are many many evidences for the importance and the virtues of dhikr. The reason why we're mentioning this hadith specifically is because the hadith specifically mentions that a person does not protect himself from the shaytan except by the remembrance of Allah.
that one of the best ways to protect yourself from the shaitan is via the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dhikr in general, this hadith is general, it's speaking about any dhikr, all types of dhikr. Dhikr in general is of the best ways to protect yourself from the shaitan. This is what this hadith teaches us. Think of a man whose enemy is tracking him. And he's chasing him, he's about to catch him until the man reaches a fortress. Unbreakable, impermeable, unbreachable. And within this fortress he's protected. He protects himself from the, the enemy. Likewise, we know that the shaitan is our number one enemy. So this is the worshipper. He worships Allah. He remembers Allah. And therefore he's protected from the shaitan because of his dhikr. Dhikr means to remember Allah. It's not just uttering phrases and uttering certain subjects. Dhikr is much more general than that. It includes any way that we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And any remembrance of Allah will act as a protection against the shaitan. So the hadith proves that the dhikr of Allah is one of the greatest ways to protect oneself from the shaitan. The hadith mentions dhikr in a general sense. Any type of dhikr. However, it is known from the words of the Prophet wasallam and the explanation of the great scholars of Al-Islam that the adhkar of the morning and evening plays a special role in protecting the Muslim throughout the day and night. This type of protection that we get from the morning and evening adhkar is far greater than that of general adhkar. So general daily adhkar is good. Unrestricted adhkar at any time, uh, spontaneous is good. But this specific adhkar is the best of adhkar and it carries the best of protection. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymin rahimahullah, he said that the morning and evening adhkar are a stronger fortress than the wall of Ya'juj and Ma'juj for the one who says it while his heart is present. These adhkar, he says, they are a fortress. They are a fortress when you recite these adhkar morning and evening and your heart is present, meaning you are focused on what you are saying. You are saying it with understanding. You are saying it believing in them. Yani that these things, they, we believe that they work. We believe that they are a protection. We believe that they are a blessings, that they bring blessings. We believe in their status because we believe in the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When we say it with this belief and conviction and understanding and concentration and focus, then the Shaykh is telling us it will become a stronger fortress for us than the wall of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. That wall that these uh, creatures have been trying to destroy for centuries and centuries and centuries, that wall is still holding them back. How powerful is that wall? The Shaykh is giving us a parable and saying, this is stronger than that wall. This fortress of Adhkaru Sabah and Masa' is stronger than that wall of Ya'juj and Ma'juj for the one who does it properly. The Shaykh also said that it will not be inaccurate to say that from the reasons why so many people are afflicted by jinn these days include being neglectful of saying the legislated adhkar at the legislated times. So we, again we said dhikr in general is always good. Any adhkar is good. <clears throat> However, the specific adhkar that the Prophet ﷺ specifically taught us to say at specific times, they are the best of adhkar. 
That is specific prophetic adhkar. Nothing can be better than that. So this is why the Sheikh is saying, we've been taught adhkar of sabah, morning. We've been taught adhkar of evening. We've been taught adhkar of salah, before the salah, or should I say after the salah specifically, and of course within the salah. We've been taught adhkar before we sleep. And of course other daily adhkar, like when we enter the toilet, when we leave the home, when we arrive at a place, when we do various things, we've been taught adhkar. These are, these are legislated adhkar at their legislated times. These are the best of adhkar because they are specifically taught by the Prophet ﷺ to be done at specific times. The Sheikh is telling us that it's not inaccurate to say, it's not incorrect to say that the reason why so many people are afflicted by jinns today are because they are neglectful of these adhkar. They are missing out on the protection of these adhkar, on the blessings of these adhkar. It's because of this that they are exposed, that they've become exposed to the onslaught of the shayateen and the jinn and, and various other afflictions, various other afflictions like evil eye and hasad or sihr and so forth. But the one who's protected, who's done his adhkar, he may be protected from all of these harms, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. There's a statement, a popular statement that is being widespread amongst uh, on the internet which says that the morning and evening adhkar play the role of a shield. They play the role of a shield, like a fortress as we said. The thicker it is, the more its owner will not be affected. Rather its strength can reach to such an extent that the arrow shot at it will bounce back to the one who, back to affect the one who shot it. For example, if somebody puts evil eye, that your shield will be so strong it will deflect and it will cause that evil eye to bounce back onto that person. Or somebody wants to afflict you with sihr, with black magic and so forth, that magic will, will deflect and, and, and go back onto them. This is a statement that is attributed, you'll find this online in many pages on Facebook and, and different social media um, outlets. Many people say this is the statement of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah. However, I've searched and I've struggled to find a reference for this quote. However, the, the, the quote in and of itself is, is something that carries haq. Yani it, it's, it's, it's a haq. This is possible. It does play the role of a fortress. And it is possible that it can become such a fortress and a wall and a shield for the person that they become protected from all of these harms. And perhaps somebody tries to harm them. That harm may bounce off of them and onto that person. This is something that is possible by the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, these are some of the statements of some of the scholars. There are many other statements and we will cover this, this segment in, in more detail. But just to show that there are many more statements, yes, but we, we see, we're starting to get an idea how, how the scholars gave importance to this because they knew the ahadith and they knew the value of these adhkar. So, starting the day, and night with his adhkar is starting it in the best way possible. In the protection of Allah. This is why when we start our day, we're supposed to start with Salatul Fajr. Because the one who prays Fajr is fi dhimmatillah, as Rasulullah said, he's in the protection of Allah. And immediately after Fajr, we do our adhkar of Salah. And after that, we do our adhkar of Sabah. The person who starts his day like this, starts the day in complete protection. He starts his day in the best possible way and we will see, see why uh, or some of the other benefits that come with reciting these adhkar later on and likewise the one who starts the evening like this he started in the best possible way in the protection of Allah 
in the remembrance of Allah and so forth. From the descriptions given by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for some of these adhkar, specific ones, he mentioned certain things about them. He said about them, it will suffice you in all respects. This I think refers to the three quls. The one who recites the three quls three times in the morning, three times in the evening, each one three times, it will suffice you in all respects. Meaning, it will, it will suffice you against any harm. It will be enough for you as a protection. Enough for you as a shield against any harm. Any harm from people, from shayateen, from evil eye to magic to to jinn, to envy, to all types of evil. It will be sufficient for you. The three calls three times. Right? This is one of the adhkar of morning and evening. He also said, whoever recited during the day with, fir- with firm faith in it and dies on the same day before the evening, he will be from the people of paradise. The same is for the one who reads it at night. This is for one of the adhkar. Which one? We will speak about it as we get there bi'idhnillah. Whoever says it with firm faith in it and he dies, he will be from the people of Jannah. Subhanallah. Is there any better reward than that? The Prophet never failed to utter these supplications in the evening and the morning. Never failed. He always upheld it. What more evidence do we need for its importance? The fact that the Prophet never left it off. The one who says it, he will not suffer sudden affliction until the morning. Protected. And if he says it in the morning, he will not suffer sudden affliction until the evening. Protected. Says this dhikr in the morning, he's protected. Says it in the evening, protected for the rest of that night. The one who says it, will, Allah will suffice him. Anything that concerns him from the matters of this world or the next. Something that's bothering you. Something that's important to you. Something that's concerning. Whether it's a matter of this world or the next. Allah will suffice him regarding that matter. This refers to a specific dhikr to be done morning and evening. Whoever says it three times when he reaches the evening, no poisonous thing shall harm him that night. This refers to one of the adhkar of the evening. No one will come with anything better than it on the day of Qiyamah, except the one who has done the same as him or increased upon it. These are the adhkar of morning. Some of them, some of the virtues of some of them that we've mentioned, they are much more that we are going to get through bi'idhnillah. So the one who studies and understands these adhkar will find that it is not only restricted to protection, but rather in it there are many other reminders and benefits. It's not just about protection. Some of them offer protection, some of them offer other, have carry other virtues and other benefits with them. Of them, of the benefits of these adhkar, number one is it's a daily reminder that the slave is always in need of Allah. And therefore he puts his trust in Allah. Whenever we recite these adhkar, we're reminding ourselves we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need his protection. We need his blessings. We need his guidance. We need his favors. We don't just start the morning, get dressed and go to work. And just carry on. We started in the remembrance of Allah. And when we recite these things with understanding, we started understanding the greatness of Allah and how much we need Him and how much He does not need us. And therefore we turn to Him, we, we recite our adhkar, we make our salah, we put our trust in and our reliance in Him. And so this is how we start the day, this is how we start our evenings. It's a daily reminder that the slave needs that he is always in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Secondly, mentioning the names and attributes of Allah. Allah's beautiful names and lofty attributes. They are scattered throughout these adhkar. Throughout the ayat that we recite and throughout the adhkar that we recite. And this is the best of reminders. Can there be a better dhikr than reciting the names and attributes of Allah? No. So when we recite them again with understanding, we, we remind ourselves of who Allah is. We remind ourselves again of who Allah is, of some of His attributes, of some of His names, to re, again to, to remind us of the greatness of Allah and our weakness, and again how much we need Him and so forth. So we recite about Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. We recite Ya Allahumma Fatir al-Samawat wal-Ard, Alim al-Ghaybi wa Shahada, the originator of the heavens and the earth, the knower of the unseen, and that which is seen, that which is evident. We recite about Allah, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum, the, the ever-living, the self-subsisting or self-existing, and so forth. There are many others. We're going to get to them, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. But each name is powerful. It carries its own virtues. It's a constant reminder of, the, of his beautiful names and attributes of Allah. It's also a reminder of Tawheed, that we are in need of Allah, yes, but also that we need to turn to him. And be subservient unto him and to worship him. That he is the only one worthy of worship. Our, our trust, our tawakkul. He's the only one that we seek protection in. He's the only one that we protect or, or, or seek to ward of harm. And to seek to gain benefit from. Because these things are only in his hand only. We remind ourselves of these things. That harm and benefit is in the hand of Allah. If I'm looking for some benefit, I need to get it from Allah. If I need to ward off some evil and harm, it only can be warded off from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My reliance, my trust, my fear is in Him. My worship is unto Him alone. So we constantly deciding, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illa anta, and so forth. There's none worthy of worship except you, O oh Allah. There's none worthy of worship except Him. To Him belongs the dominion. To Him belongs all praise. He's able to do whatever he wants and so forth. So it's a reminder of Tawheed. And this is why we were created. We were created. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surah Al-Dhariyat, I did not create the jinn or insan except that they should worship me. This is the main purpose of creation. Through these adhkar we remind ourselves of the purpose of why we've been put here. Why we've been created. That is that we need to constantly worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship him alone. In it, they are valuable du'as for protection of, of one's health, wealth, religion, and family, as well as against the shaitan. When we are reciting the, the, the various du'as, for example, that's within these adhkar, you will find that we are seeking protection for our health, for our wealth, for our deen, for our family, and against the shaitan, protection, against the, the evil of our nafs, of our soul, against evil jinn, against black magic, against evil eye, to ask for paradise, to ask against Jahannam, and so forth, against Adab al-Qabr. All powerful, important du'as are incorporated within these adhkar as well. So we are saying them, and again saying them within those moments are better than saying them out of those moments because this is specifically taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some of the adhkar have great rewards and benefits, Mentioned for the one who performs them, we touch on some of them. So some of them say, whoever says this, will get this. Whoever says it like this, his reward will be this. Those things we believe in. And also, before we move on, on this point, 
nobody can make up rewards and benefits for any dhikr. So nobody has the right to say, if you say this seven times in the morning, this is the reward you'll get. If you say this a hundred thousand times in the month of Sha'ban, then this is the reward you'll get. If you say salawat like this in Muharram or in Rabi'ul Awwal a hundred thousand times or seventy thousand times, then your reward will be such or you'll be forgiven or this will happen to you or that will happen. Nobody has the right to say this. It's haram for him to say this because these are things from the unseen. How does he know you're going to get that reward? Only Rasulullah had the right to say these things because it came to him from wahi. Nobody has the right to make up these type of things. And you find this common today. You know, you pick up random things, say this so many times, say this so many Where's the evidence? If the evidence does not exist, avoid these type of adhkar. Avoid these type of adhkar. And you even find today different weirds that are given out. So say this weird in the morning, but the weird consists of certain things which are prophetic and certain things which are not. So part of the adhkar comes from this sheikh and from that sheikh and this sheikh said you must say this and that sheikh said you must say that. But none of the things are evidence-based. Yani evidence is Quran and Sunnah. None of the things come from the Quran and the Sunnah. Avoid these type of adhkar. Avoid these type of weirds. These litanies that people are giving out, stick to that which is only prophetic. Because these things are evidence-based, alhamdulillah. And Islam is an evidence-based religion. So we, there are those which carry specific rewards and, and benefits, which the hadith tells us about. And then there are those which don't mention anything specific. However, we still believe these are of the best adhkar. Even though we may not know the special reward behind it. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ did it on a daily basis or told us to do it on a daily basis, this is enough for us to make it a part of our daily adhkar, our morning and evening adhkar as well. Because, وَخَيْرُ الْهَدِي هَدِيُ Muhammad The best of guidance is the guidance of Muhammad So we stick to that. Those who uphold these adhkar daily will be from those who remember Allah much. And this is another great benefit of these adhkar. Those who remember Allah much. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ahzab, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ He speaks about the men and the female, the males and the females. The men and women who remember Allah much. أَذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةً وَأَجْرًا عَظِيمًا What about these men and women that remember Allah much? Allah says, for all of them, Allah has prepared forgiveness and a great reward. For them, Allah has prepared maghfirah, forgiveness of their sins, and a great reward. So, of course, they have a special status. But who are these men and who are these women? The great Sahabi, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, he said, this refers to those who remember Allah after the salah, after the prayers, in the morning and the evening, and in their beds, and in the adhkar of sleep. Whenever they wake up from the sleep, and wherever they leave or enter their homes, they remember Allah. We spoke about this, the statement of Ibn Uthaymin, about the legislated adhkar to be done at legislated times. This is exactly what Ibn Abbas is telling us. These are the people who remember Allah much. It doesn't mean that's people who make dhikr day and night or whole day, whole night. He says it actually refers to those who make those legislated dhikrs, meaning those specific adhkar which are taught to us from the sunnah. When you leave your home, say this. When you arrive at a place, say this. 
When you enter the toilet, say this. When you exit, say this. After wudu, say that. Enter the masjid, say this. Come out of the masjid, say this. After the adhan, say this. When it rains, say this. When you enter the marketplace, say this. Mornings, say these. These are a whole list. Evenings, say this. Before you sleep, there's a list. We've only been taught, Allahumma bismika mutu ahiya. One. There are tens, twenty of them. And so forth. Specific after salah, a list of du'as that we should be learning. That we don't know because when we go to the masjid, we, we follow the cultural practice which is the imam makes a du'a, we sit there, we say ameen, ameen, ameen. Afterwards we get up and we go. So nobody actually does the sunnah anymore. Wallahul musta'an. This is how you become of those who remember Allah much. It's to follow the sunnah of the Prophet and do the specific adhkar that are supposed to be done at specific times. And that's what Ibn Abbas is teaching us. Also the great Imam of Hadith and Imam of the Shafi'is, Imam Ibn Salah, rahimahullah, he said, or he was asked about the amount one needs to fulfill to be considered to be of those who remember Allah much. What did he say? He said, whoever maintains the established and narrated or transmitted adhkar in the morning and the evening, and in the various times and circumstances during the night and day, will be considered of those who remember Allah much. And this is exactly what we just explained from the statement of Ibn Abbas. Those times, those various times and circumstances, adhkar that have been narrated, transmitted or established. He mentioned specifically the morning and evening and the rest of the day and night. Things that are supposed to be said. As we said from the sunnah, you're supposed to say this then and this then and so forth. These are the people who will be considered as those who remember Allah much. So we should learn the, the various adhkar that we should be saying throughout the day. Of the best books that we find in the English language on this subject would be the simple small book that most people have, alhamdulillah, that's widespread, alhamdulillah, is the book Fortress of a Muslim, Hisnul Muslim, Fortress of a Muslim. It covers these daily adhkar, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he said, in his book, Ighathatul Lahfan, he was speaking about the signs of a good heart, a sound heart. Right? As we know that none will enter Jannah except those who have a qalbin salim. Right? Those who have a sound heart. And he spoke about the signs of a sound heart. Of the signs of a sound heart, he said, the person who is more upset and unhappy, if he misses his daily recitation of the Quran and dhikr, than if he had lost wealth. That if he had lost his wealth, that's a sound heart. And he's not worried about some money that he missed out on or a job that he may have missed out on. But he's more worried the fact that I never sat with my Quran today, nor did I perhaps make my adhkar for the day. And wallahi, once these adhkar become a part of your life, you make them every morning, every evening, the day that you miss them, you will not rest. You will feel uneasy. You will feel that incompleteness, that the fact that I didn't make my adhkar this morning, I, I should do them now. The fact that I didn't make my adhkar yet, I know I should, uh, you know, the time is coming, the time is running out. I need to make them because you feel that you're incomplete without reciting them. And this, bi'idhnillah, is a good sign that we all hope for, that we can be, get to that level, inshallah. And this is a fact. It's a fact. It's known that those who, who recite them on a daily basis, when they miss them, they, they feel incompleted. They feel exposed. They feel that something's missing. Just like a believer is with his salah. 
If salah has not been done, you, you know, hey, I need to make salah. My time's running and I didn't make zuhr yet. I didn't make isha yet and the time's nearly up. And so the same with the adhkar. The same with the Quran as well. It's getting late. I haven't recited yet. I need to sit with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a person with a sound heart. Um, and Allah knows best. So inshallah, we've spoken about the importance and the benefits of these adhkar. And there are of course much more that can be spoken about on that particular topic. But... We've done, or we've mentioned enough of the benefits or enough um, to show the importance of these adhkar. That no Muslim should be missing out on them. No Muslim should be missing out on them. These adhkar are not for people who are afflicted. These are not, they're not just for people who have possessed or, or afflicted with this. Wallahi, these adhkar are for every single Muslim. Every single Muslim should be doing them on a daily basis. On a daily basis, because they are so valuable and so important and so powerful. The one who misses them has missed out on a great deal of good. The one who misses out on them has missed out on a great deal of good. It's not haram, we are not saying it's fardu wajib, but the amount of khair that is, and blessings and barakah that is missed out on, it's a great loss. It's a great loss. And the one who has recited them has gained so much. Has, has benefited so much, has achieved so much. So glad tidings unto them. And may Allah make us of, of those who uphold these adhkar and of those who remember him much, as the ayah mentioned in Surah Ahzab. We move on to the timing of these adhkar. When, what is the morning adhkar? When is the morning and when is the evening? Firstly, the time for the morning adhkar starts after the Fajr prayer and lasts until sunrise. After Fajr has been prayed, this is the time when we make our morning adhkar up until sunrise. Up until sunrise. The time for the evening adhkar starts after the Asr Salah and lasts until sunset. Lasts until Maghrib, until sunset. So the one is from after Fajr until sunrise, that's morning. And evening will be from after Asr until Maghrib. That's the time period for the morning and the evening adhkar. And remember this, this is very important. Most people, they know about the morning is after Fajr. But they don't know that the evening is not the night. It's evening adhkar. Evening is after Asr. It's not the night. The night starts at Maghrib. So people actually make the adhkar after Maghrib. It should be done before Maghrib, for that is the Masa' period, the evening period. And we'll prove this bi So firstly, we have a hadith. Narrated by Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, that I sit in the company of the people who remember, the, who remember Allah, the exalted, from morning prayer until the sun rises, is dearer to me than I emancipate four slaves of the children, from the children of Ismail, alayhi salam. And that I sit with the people who remember Allah from the afternoon prayer. In the hadith in the Arabic it says Salatul Asr. So do not get confused that does it refer to the Lord? No. The hadith in Arabic it says Salatul Asr. From after the from the Asr prayer until the sun sets is dearer to me than I emancipate four slaves. So this hadith again clearly mentions to us the dearest times to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to sit and make dhikr. And that is from after, after Fajr until, sunset, until sunrise and from after Asr until Maghrib. 
clearly mentioned in the hadith in Abu Dawood. So the hadith clearly shows us these specific times that this is the most beloved time for him to sit. In the company of those who remember Allah, meaning they sat in the masjid. This doesn't mean that they sat in a big group and everybody made dhikr together. No. That we sit together, you sit there, I sit here, and I sit and I make my adhkar to myself, by myself. And the next one makes it to himself, by himself. They never sat in a group and everybody recited together in one loud voice. This was not the way of the Sahaba or Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But to sit together and make dhikr, each one makes his own dhikr, this is legislated. This is how they were after the salah, they would all remain seated and remember Allah. So this is sitting in, in a gathering. This is what he means by this hadith. Um, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah also mentions this, that this is the time for the adhkar. And he proves it from the Quran. We quoted these ayat earlier on when we spoke about the fact that Allah mentioned these times in the Quran. So Ibn al-Qayyim explains and he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ قَبْلَ طُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ وَقَبْلَ الْغُرُوبِ and glorify the praises of your Lord before sunrise and before sunset. Before sunrise. Before sunrise. This refers to the period of the Fajr. Just before sunrise. So between Fajr and sunrise, that's the time for the morning adhkar. The ayah approves this. وَقَبْلَ الْغُرُوبِ وَقَبْلَ الْغُرُوبِ And before sunset. Before Maghrib. Not after Maghrib. Before Maghrib. So this ayah is very specific. It proves that it, this happens when? This time period for glorifying Allah is when? Before ghurub, before sunset. And this is what Ibn Al-Qaim then explains and he says, this is the interpretation of what is mentioned in the ahadith. The many ahadith. Whoever says such and such in the morning and the evening. So the, he says, the ayah is telling us when that morning is and when the evening is. Before sunrise in the morning, before sunset in the evening. What is meant by this is before sunrise and before sunset. The time for that is between Fajr and sunrise and between Asr and Maghrib, as we said earlier. And then he says again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another ayah, Surah Ghafir, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِبَكَارِ And glorify the praises of your Lord, Ashi and Ibakar. The Arabic words here are used is Ashi and Ibkar. Glorify the praises of your Rabb when? In Ashi and Ibkar. The translation we gave is morning and evening. But Ibn al-Qayyim explains to us. And he says, Ibkar means the first part of the day. In Arabic, that's what it refers to. The first part of the day. And we know the day starts with Fajr. After that comes the first part of the day. And Ashi means the latter part of the day. Of the day, not the night. Not before, the, not after the night starts, like after Maghrib. No, the latter part of the day. That's Ashi. Therefore, the time for these adhkar is after Fajr and after Asr. That's what Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And this is now proven from the Quran and the Sunnah, as well as some of the kalam of the scholars. If a person forgets to do this adhkar or these adhkar within this time, so a person, he gets busy and he doesn't recite the adhkar. Time is gone. Sun has risen. It's morning time. It's 10 a.m. And you realize, hey, I didn't get the chance to do my adhkar. Oh, I forgot. The evening comes. It's Maghrib. Maghrib has passed. And you realize, hey, I did not do my adhkar for the evening. I forgot. What do we say? Do we say, look, it's time is up. You, you missed it. What the scholars have said is that the person should still recite the adhkar. The morning adhkar, he should recite up until noon. 
up until noon. So even if it's 11, for example, it's not yet noon, it's not yet midday. Recite the, it's not yet afternoon. It's still that morning period. So recite the adhkar, even though it's, it's technically late, but recite the adhkar. Likewise, if you miss the evening adhkar, they should recite the adhkar up until midnight, inshaAllah. Up until midnight, inshaAllah. This is what the ulama has stated. However, the adhkar should not purposefully be delayed beyond its specified times. So don't delay it purposefully. Don't think, ah, the morning is long, it's until uh, noon, and so you split it up or you decide to do it late on. No, do it in its prescribed time, the early first part of the day. Ibkar, the ayah said, Prophet mentioned the hadith, the time before sunrise. So don't delay it. Likewise with the evening, don't delay it until midnight or just before midnight or after Isha. No, do it in the prescribed time. The Prophet ﷺ spoke about that time after Asr before sun, and until before Ghurub, until before sun sets. Likewise, the ayat of the Quran mentions these times as well. So uphold these adhkar within those times and, and don't miss it unless you have a valid excuse. Overslept, you got sick, you were genuinely busy, you were writing an exam and so forth. Then in that case, we can understand. Make it later then. But otherwise, do not uh, delay it unnecessarily. Uh, Sheikh bin Baz rahimahullah on this point he said as for the awrad shariya meaning the those uh, the litanies or those lists of, uh, of 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 dhikrs and duas that have been narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa then the best he, sh- he says is is to fulfill them on the two ends of the day yani he says ba'da salat al-fajr wa salat al-asr so immediately after Fajr and immediately after Asr, that's the best time to do it. That's what the Sheikh says. And he says, وَذَلِكَ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ قِرَاءَةِ الْقُرْآنِ Wallahu musta'an. The Sheikh says, this is better than reciting the Qur'an. This is better than reciting the Qur'an. Why? لِأَنَّهَا عِبَادَ مُؤَقَّتَةَ تَفُوتُ بِفَوَاتِ وَقْتِهَا These adhkar, they are time-specific, time-sensitive. Once the time goes, you, you can miss out on them. So if you purposely delay them, Allah, Allah knows best, you may miss out on the reward of these adhkar. Whereas the Sheikh says, أَمَّا قِرَاتُ الْقُرْآنِ فَوَقْتُهَا وَاسِعُ As with the reciting of the recitation of the Qur'an, then its time is not specific to any, its, its time is vast, its time is, you can recite any time. It's not restricted to any particular time. Right? And by however he says, whoever busies himself with reciting the Quran during these times, morning and evening, and he does not recite the wird, yani the morning and evening adhkar, no problem. Because all of these things are nafilah. They are voluntary. They are not fard. Right? They are not fard. So therefore he says there is scope in these matters. This is what the Sheikh bin Baz has said. And this is the haq. This is the haq. person who recites the Qur'an, he doesn't do the adhkar, there's no sin on him. He gets the reward of the Qur'an, no doubt. But the best thing to do is these adhkar are time-specific. Make the fajr, after fajr you do adhkar after salah, then you do adhkar of morning, then recite the Qur'an. Then recite the Qur'an. 
because now you've done the time specific deeds and now you have the rest of the day to recite the Quran. Likewise with the evening, make the time specific adhkar, then you recite the Quran any other time or for the rest of the day, for the rest of the night, alhamdulillah, as much as you can. And so this is clear bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Now we come to the last point which is the method of recitation, the method of fulfilling these adhkar. How are they supposed to be done? Right, we spoke about the greatness, the importance and the benefits and the virtues of the adhkar. We spoke about the timings, when, now the method. Firstly, recitation only counts as a recitation when it is done by moving one's tongue. Reciting with one's mind is not considered a recitation. So, the statement at the bottom, see the statement of Imam Malik, refers to this point. Actually refers to this point. Tayyip. Which means that recitation is recitation, meaning it has to be read on your lips and on your tongue. Recitation is not done in the mind, where you sit and you are reading it in your head. Like with, likewise with salah, even more importantly, because salah is obviously fard. Part of salah, you have to recite, for example, the fatiha. The fatiha is a rukun of the salah. Without the salah, the, salah, the fatiha is null and void. Hadith it tells us this. There is no salah without the Fatiha al-Kitab. Likewise, all the adhkar in the salah, subhana rabbi al-azim, subhana rabbi al-a'la, rabbi ghfili, rabbi ghfili, at-tahiyyat al-mubarakat, and so forth. The various adhkar of the salah. You cannot do this adhkar in your head. And you start Allahu Akbar and you stand and you... No lip movements, no tongue movements, and you are basically reciting everything in your mind. This is not permissible. A recitation is, must be done, done with the tongue. The tongue and the lips have to move for recitation to happen. It's not a, uh, a, 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 an ibadah that's done in the mind only. So this is the first point. When we are doing the adhkar of sabah and masa, the same is applied. You have to say, Asbahna wa asbaha al-mulku lillah wa alhamdulillah la ilaha illallah wahda wa la sharika la lahu al-mulku wa lahu alhamdulillah wa ala kulli shayin qadir, etc. Not in your mind. That's point number one. Point number two is, Try to recite the adhkar in Arabic. This is how it was narrated in Arabic. So try your best to recite it in, in Arabic. If not, then use the transliteration. The transliteration will be given for the adhkar, but not for the Quranic ayat. For these scholars differed on this point, but many of the ulama said transliteration should not be used for the Quran because you are now writing the Quran out in a different language. Whereas it should be written out in Arabic only. Translation is something different. That's not Quran. Okay? So the scholars differed on this and many of them advised not to recite or not to write down the Quran in transliteration form. So this will not be given in this form for the Quranic ayat. But it will be given for the adhkar. So if one can use that, then that's okay. But the best is to try and recite it in Arabic. The best is if you can read Arabic, read it in Arabic. And it may be difficult in the beginning for some, some of the adhkar. However, with hardship comes ease, and with the same hardship comes more ease. Inna ma'al usri yusra, inna ma'al usri wa. Fa'inna ma'al usri yusra, inna ma'al usri yusra. Usri yusra. That's what the Quranic ayah tells us. With one hardship comes two eases. You do it one day, two days, three days. After one week it's easy. After one month you almost memorized it, bi'ithnillah. After two months you know it by heart. And that brings us to the next point, which is... Along with the recitation, uh, well, it's not the next point yet, but we're getting there, inshallah. 
actually, I missed the point, which is if it's not possible to use transliteration, then use the translation. But this is not the ideal situation where you only recite the translation. The Arabic is the real adhkar. Try your best to do that. If you cannot, the transliteration. If not, at least the translation. Insha'Allah, we'll still get the, the fruits of the, um, the adhkar. Thirdly, along with the recitation, focusing and reflecting on the meanings of what is recited is of utmost importance. This cannot be stressed enough. And this applies for, again, all adhkar. Not only the morning and evening, your recitation of the Qur'an. Your recitation of the Qur'an. The best thing is to recite with understanding. Try to ponder over the ayah. Kitabun anzalnahu mubarakun liyadabbaru ayati. As Allah says in the Quran, a book, blessed, that was sent down. For what purpose? Liyadabbaru ayati. To ponder its ayat. To reflect over its ayat. This is the main, one of the main purposes of the Quran. To reflect and to ponder. If we're just reciting khatam after khatam after khatam, where's the benefit? Ramadan comes, we, we rush to finish a khatam or to finish two, three, ten khatams depending on our abilities. But not once do we sit down and, and, and try to understand what we are reciting, to benefit from what we are reciting. So the scholars would say, even if you recited a tenth of what you were reciting, but you're reciting it with meaning, that's better than reciting ten times more. And Allah knows best. Because you are now reciting with, with understanding. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he said, that the types of dhikr can be categorized into at least three. Number one, he said, is in the heart and on the tongue, which is the best of dhikr. It's, on, it's in the heart. Number one, your heart is present. You're focused, concentrating, understanding, and you are reciting the adhkar on your tongue. And number two is in the heart only sometimes, which is the second level. Now, this doesn't apply to the adhkar of morning and evening because we said these things must be recited. But sometimes you can sit and just reflect on the signs of Allah. That's dhikr. You can sit, think of an ayah of the Quran and reflect over it. Reflect over death, reflect over Allah, His names, His attributes. Reflect over Jannah, Jahannam, reflect over so many things. This is done in the heart only. This is also at the second level because this comes from the heart alone. This is also great and powerful. Right? And thirdly is on the tongue only which is the third level, right? So sometimes is, it will only be done on the tongue, but there's no reflection taking place. This is the third level. He then says the best of dhikr is that on which both the heart and tongue are focused. And of course, this makes the most sense. This, this, makes, this is common knowledge that you are using both faculties to focus on what's being, um, what, what's being done as a remembrance of Allah. Dhikr in the heart only is better than dhikr on the tongue. <coughs> Afwan. Because dhikr in the heart increases knowledge, provokes love, increases shyness before Allah, promotes fear of Allah, calls one to join closer to Him, and it prevents one from falling short in acts of worship and being heedless about sins and bad deeds. Subhanallah. This is the power of dhikr in the heart, when the, when the heart is present. Because now you're actually going to reap the benefits. You're now going to love Allah subhanahu wa and love His names and attributes and His, His descriptions. Now you're going to become shy. To commit sin in front of Allah. To fall short. Now you are going to fear Allah appropriately. Now you are going to draw close to Him. And so forth. And now you are going to be inspired to worship Him further. Because your heart is present. You are focusing on what you are saying. And who Allah is. On the reminders that you are getting. The benefits that you are getting from the adhkar. 
But if the heart's not present, it becomes lip service. As the Sheikh then says, dhikr on the tongue only does not give any of these results. And it is of little benefit. It's just subhanallah, alhamdulillah, illallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, maliki, yawmi, deen, iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'een. Salah is done. No benefit, no change in life, no getting closer to Allah, no tanha anil fahshi wal munkar. Quran says salah is supposed to divert you and keep you away from immoralities and all types of evil and bad. But this doesn't happen to us because our hearts are not present. Wallahu al-musta'an. So this is of utmost importance. Right, this is of utmost importance when doing these adhkar as well. That the heart be present as well as the recitation on the tongue. The best way to go about reciting them is to do it from memory. This was the point that I was getting to earlier. As this was the way the Prophet and his companions did it. Right? So this is a goal that we can reach inshaAllah in the future. This doesn't have to happen today or tomorrow or in a week's time or in a month's time even. But ideally, this is how we want to do it. Ideally, right? Because the Sahaba didn't have a list that they walked around with and so forth. These things are good. These things help us. No problem. No problem. Doesn't detract from the rewards either. But we say the best way is to try and commit these things to memory and to recite them from memory. Okay? And as I said, with time, it will become easier. At times, you will see, okay, I know that one already by heart. I know this one by heart. Maybe I just need to sit down and memorize one or two of them here and there. But... It becomes easier. الحمار, as the statement goes, that repetition will teach even the donkey. This applies to any repetition of anything. You will keep doing the same thing, you will memorize it. If you do this adhkar morning, evening, every day, you will memorize it. Also, they may be recited in any order, any sequence. Right? There is no sequence mentioned or narrated in the hadith in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So there's no particular order. Even if you put it in a particular order or you follow a particular order on, 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 online or in a book somewhere or um, there is no particular. You can do it any way you want to do it because it hasn't been said you must do this one first, that one second, this one third. It's been left open. They are all part of the morning. Do them all in the morning in any way. Right? The numbers will be specific. Do this one three times, that one once, that one seven times, that one ten times. That you have to follow. But where, which one is placed in the list, that doesn't really matter. That doesn't really um, matter. Tayyip. It's not sunnah to raise the hands. Okay? So when you're making the du'as, in Allah, in it's a du'a. Right? It's not sunnah to sit and raise the hands and say these du'as. And these, this is a, an important point because... When do we raise the hands and when do we not raise the hands? Actually, there's times when you raise the hands, for example, a general dua. You're just sitting, you're making dua for yourself, you're making dua for your parents, you dua for this, dua for that. Raise the hands, alhamdulillah, it's good. It's one of the ways to have your dua accepted. Allah becomes shy at that person for him not to accept that person's dua. It's a great virtue, raising the hands. But there are times when raising the hands is not permissible because it goes contrary to the sunnah. For example, after the salah. After the salah, it's sunnah not to raise the hands because the Prophet ﷺ never did it, nor the Sahaba. The dua after the adhan, Allahumma rabba hadhi da'wati tama wa salati al-qaimah, it's a sunnah not to raise the hands because the Prophet ﷺ didn't do it, nor the Sahaba. For example, in the khutbah, and this is proven from hadith, Bishr ibn al-Mawran, he gave a khutbah. He was not a Sahabi, he, he, he was... Um, should I say Bishma Marwan was a minister? 
right? And he and he was giving a khutbah towards the end of the era of the Sahaba. And in this khutbah, as we know, in the Jummah khutbah, the Imam always makes a dua. For example, today you will always hear Allahumma a'izal Islam wal Muslimin wa adhillah shirk wal mushrikeen and so forth. So Bishr makes a dua and in the dua he raises his hands. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. When he was done, the Sahaba who was still alive went to him and said, How ugly are these hands? They criticized him for raising the hands in dua. And they said to him, For the Prophet never raised his hands in the khutbah except he would only point with his finger and make dua. The exception was also when he made dua for rain. So in the khutbah, the only time he raised his hands was when? For istisqa, for rain. Seeking Allah, asking Allah for rain. Then he would raise up the hands high up. And then everybody would raise their hands. When he's done, he would drop his hands. And continue making dua. And at times he would point with his finger. But not just a general dua, raise the hands. So we learn from this hadith and from the sahaba. And now he says, this is the view of the shafi'is. That these times when raising the hands is not allowed. Because it contradicts the sunnah. And then there's times when it's general dua, any dua. Raise the hands. Kunut, raise the hands. For example, you're making a general unrestricted dua anytime, raise the hands. But specific times for, for when you enter the toilet, you make a dua, do you raise the hands? No. And you shouldn't because it contradicts the sunnah. When you enter the masjid, leave the masjid, you're making a dua. Allahumma aftah li abu rahmatik. Oh Allah, open up the doors of your mercy for me. It's a dua. But you don't raise the hands and enter the masjid. So it's on the sunnah. Likewise, the adhkar of the morning and evening, it's not sunnah to raise the hands, so do not raise the hands when you make these adhkar. An important point to note is that these adhkar are not subject to change. Another very important point, and we'll end off on this point, they must be recited in the same way the Prophet ﷺ recited them and taught them to us. You are not allowed to change the wordings of these adhkar. Not allowed to add or to subtract from the wordings. The, the adhkar must be done in the exact wording that the Prophet sallallahu done them in and taught them to us. And this is proven in a hadith as well. Look how precise the Prophet sallallahu is in this hadith and how precise we should learn to become bi-idhnillah. Hadith is from Bara ibn Azib radiallahu anhu. He said that the Prophet sallallahu he said, when you go to bed, perform wudu like the wudu for salah. Then lie down on your right side and say. Now, what does this teach us? This, Afwan teaches us that this dua that we are going to read now is from the adhkar of sleep. Of the adhkar that we're supposed to do when we go to bed. As the hadith clearly says to us. Perform wudu like you perform for salah. Lay down on your right hand side and then say. Oh Allah, I submit my face to you. And I trust, entrust my affairs to you. And I rely totally on you in hope and fear of you. Verily, there is no refuge, no haven from you except with you. O oh Allah, I believe in your book which you have revealed and in your prophet which whom you have sent. This is what the Prophet said they should say. Now, then he said, after that dua, then he said, If you die during the night, you will have died following the fitrah. You are upon fitrah, the, the sound nature, yani that natural disposition, the way Allah created insan, you will die upon fitrah. Make these the last words that you speak. Yani before you sleep, this must be your last words, then go sleep. If you die, you, you, you died upon those words, you'll die upon fitrah, which is upon Islam, it's upon khayr, upon goodness. 
Now Bara ibn Azib, the narrator, he says, I repeated it back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Notice here, the Sahaba didn't, he, he learned it from the Prophet, and now he went back to his teacher and recited it back to him. They're learning. He didn't just walk away with it. He, okay, that's the dua. I'm now going back to the Prophet sallallahu This is the dua. I'm now reciting it back to him to make sure I know it correctly. Look at this. So he says, when I reach the words, O oh Allah, I believe in your book which you have revealed. And I said, وَرَسُولِكَ And your messenger that you sent. The Prophet said, no. وَنَبِيِّكَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلْتَ And your Prophet whom you sent. So if you look at the, the dua at the end, it says, O oh Allah, I believe in your book which you have revealed and in your Prophet whom you sent. The word Prophet in Arabic is Nabi. Nabi, right? Means a Prophet. A messenger in Arabic is a Rasul. Is there a difference? There is a small difference between what's a Rasul and what's a messenger. But ultimately, if I say Rasulullah or Nabiullah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is there a difference? There's no difference really. Both, he is the Rasul and he is the Nabi of Allah. Right? It's just the same description for the same person, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the Prophet said here, you must say, وَنَبِيِّكَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلْتَ And I believe in the Prophet that you sent. Right? When Bara repeated it back to the Prophet, he said to him, وَرَسُولِكَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلْتَ And I believe in the Rasul that you sent. Did the Prophet say, it's the same thing, it's also good. In fact, we could argue that the word Rasul is more powerful than the word Nabi. But the Prophet said to him, no. Don't say Rasul. It's وَنَبِيِّكَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلْتَ so he didn't change it purposely, it's a normal mistake. We, we all make this type of mistake, sometimes Rasul, sometimes Nabi, no problem. The Prophet said to him, no, it's Nabi Kaladi Arsalt. That's the correct, proper, precise wording. And this teaches us what? That the adhkar must be done with the precise, proper wording without any changes. Not even Nabi to Rasul or Rasul to Nabi can be changed. No, it must be done the exact way. Just like when we recite the Quran. You can't add to the Quran or subtract from the Quran. That's Kalamullah, we know that. That, that could be Kufr, right? Changing a hadith, uh, not changing a hadith, but changing a dhikr like this, we wouldn't say it's necessarily Kufr. But it's not permissible and it shouldn't be done because now you are not doing it the way that you are supposed to do it. Nor are you doing it the way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said we should do it. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar rahimahullah, he said the most appropriate thing that may be said concerning the reason why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam corrected the one who said Rasul instead of Nabi is that the wording of the adhkar is tawqifi. Meaning they can only be known through divine revelation and sound text of hadith with no room for ijtihad. That's what tawqifi means. Tawqifi means it's set in stone. These wordings are set in stone. What is only known from the, from Revelation from authentic hadith, that's tawqifi. It cannot be changed. There's no room for ijtihad, no room for opinions and for research and for this and for that view. No, it must be done in the exact way. They have special characteristics and benefits that are not subject to reasoning. Ya Salam, are not subject to reasoning. We could have argued that the Rasul is stronger than Nabi. So we say Rasulika instead of Nabiika are not subject to reasoning, you say it as it is narrated. It's wahi, it's divine, say it that way, don't change a word, don't change a harf, don't change an a or e or u. Therefore they must be memorized 
verbatim as they were narrated. This is of utmost importance. Verbatim as they were narrated. Don't change them. This is a very important. If you change them, you can lose out on the reward of them. And Allah knows best. To end off, the same principle should be applied to all prophetic adhkar. Any prophetic dhikr. The Prophet used to make a dua like this. Don't change it. Don't add to it. The Prophet is taught someone a dua like this. Say it in that exact way. Exact way. Three examples. <clears throat> After we sneeze, the hadith tells us to say Alhamdulillah. Another hadith tells us to say Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Both are correct because both are narrated. So if you say Alhamdulillah, it's good. If you say Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal, it's good. The best thing to do, sometimes say Alhamdulillah, sometimes say Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Mix them up. They both come from hadith. One day, Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhuma, the son of Umar ibn Khattab, is sitting and a man next to him says Alhamdulillah. He sneezed. And he said, Alhamdulillah, wassalamu ala Rasulillah. Alhamdulillah, and may peace be upon the Messenger of Allah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud looked at him and said, You know, I also say that at times. I also say, Alhamdulillah, wassalamu ala Rasulillah. But after we sneeze, the Prophet taught us to say, Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal. So he actually reprimanded the man by say, saying to him, Adding a salawat or a salam upon the Prophet in this instance is not permissible. Because it's a specific dhikr. must be done in a specific way. Adding is not necessarily better. And this is something very important to remember. These things are not subject to reason as Ibn Hajar said. They are tawqifi, must be memorized verbatim. And that's how they must be performed. More is not always better. We want quality over quantity. We want ahsanul ibadah, the best of worship. The best of, of ways, not the most. Somebody can do a little, but he can outdo someone who does a lot because his little is, is quality. It's, it's precise. It's according to the sunnah. It's the best way. Somebody comes with a load of ibadah, but it's all incorrect. It's all mixed with, uh, mixed with innovation and bid'ah, and therefore it's not accepted. Wallahu al-musta'an. So another famous example I will give. The hadith in, in, is in a tirmidhi of Abdullah ibn Umar. It's authentic. But it teaches us this principle as well. Say it the way it's narrated or don't say it. Say it the way it's narrated, but don't change it. A famous example, the dua in Ramadan, seeking Laylatul Qadr. We know the hadith, Aisha anha went to him, Prophet said, look, when I seek the night of Qadr, what should I say? He taught the famous dua, Allahumma innaka afoon tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni. Oh Allah, you are afu, you are the one who pardons. You love to pardon, so pardon me. That's the dua. Nowadays, the dua is not recited like that anymore. It's now changed to Allahumma innaka afun, kareemun, halimun, azimun, rahimun, tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. All of Allah's attributes are now added to the hadith as well. Instead of just saying it the way he taught Aisha, Allahumma innaka afun, tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni, oh Allah, you are afu, they say, and you are kareem, and you are halim. Forbearing, and you are the most kind, Ra'uf, or Halim, or Latif, or, and you are Azim, uh, the most great, and you are this, and you are that. We love to pardon, so pardon us. The problem here is, you are now, you have now left the, the prophetic dhikr and, and dua, and moved to your own dua. And the reality is, your dua can never be better than the Prophet's dua. 
So by adding all of those names and attributes of Allah, does it make it better than the way he taught it to Aisha? Because that's the best way. And this is something people need to understand. More is not always better. The best of guidance is the guidance of Muhammad He didn't speak from his own accord, his own desires. It was wahy that was sent to him. Divine revelation, his speech. So don't change the du'as. Say it as it was narrated. These things are not subject to reason. It doesn't mean that you added this and added that part. It makes it better. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. It makes it worse. It's no longer prophetic. It's no longer prophetic. You have taken the propheticness out of it and changed it. One more example. And this part here you will find in the Adhkar morning and evening as well. Ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika astaghith. Aslih li sha'ni kullah. Wala takilni ila nafsi tarfata'in. It's a beautiful dua and dhikr to recite. Right? And as I said, it comes in the morning and evening adhkar as well. What does it mean? Ya hayu ya qayyum. Bi rahmatika astaghith. Through your mercy we seek uh, relief. We seek help. Aslih li sha'ni kullah. I seek help. Rectify for me all of my affairs. Wala takilni ila nafsi tarfata'in. And do not leave me to myself. Not even for the blinking of an eye. That's a rough translation of this dhikr. But nowadays you find people saying, وَلَا تَكِلْنِي إِلَىٰ نَفْسِي طَرْفَةَعَيْنٍ وَلَا أَقَلَّ مِنْ ذَلِكِ Do not leave me to myself for the blinking of an eye. And then they add on, وَلَا أَقَلَّ مِنْ ذَلِكِ It means not even for less than that. So they try to spice up the dhikr. Not even less than the blinking of an eye. Ya Allah, do not leave us to ourselves. The reality is, you have, it's as if you are saying the dhikr of the Prophet is good, but our way is better. Our way is better. Our addition makes it better. Tarfata'in in this context, when he says, do not leave us, or do not leave me to myself, not even for the blinking of an eye, that is the shortest possible time period. There is nothing shorter than that. That's what the hadith is actually meaning. There is nothing shorter than that. You, to say, wala aqalla min dhalik means you haven't understood the hadith properly. You haven't understood what's meant by Tarfata'in. Tarfata'in here means refers to the shortest possible time period. To say wala aqalla min dhalik wouldn't make sense. Logically, number one. Number two, it means you have misunderstood the value of the words of the Prophet So do not fall into this trap. And it could be a trap of the shaitan that he wants you to change and alter the dhikr which is prophetic to that which is no longer prophetic. If the hadith is like this, do it like that. If the hadith says this is the dhikr, do it like that. Understand? So this is of utmost importance. Um, and there's many other examples. For example, in the salah, another example comes, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim ina kahamidu majid. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ala barik Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim ina kahamidu majid. The best way to make salawat. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this is hadiyah, it's a gift for you. But now we add Sayyidina, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad, kama salli ala Sayyidina Ibrahim, wa ala ala Sayyidina Ibrahim. Yet the hadith doesn't mention that word. So is it better to add Sayyidina, because they to making them our masters, or is it not better? What's better, to stick to the wording of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or to add on wording? We could add Sayyidina, wa Nabiyina, wa Habibina, wa Imamina, wa Qudwatina. Why not add more and more and more? Why stick to Sayyidina? So we need to understand these things are not subject to reason as Ibn Hajar said. 
the reasoning is the, the, the true reasoning is the way it's narrated is the best possible way. My aql needs to understand if it doesn't, my aql is, 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 is incorrect. The knuckle comes first, the text comes first. The way it is in text, that's the way it must be done. If it's not done that way, you are you have mis you have misunderstood the matter. It should be done in the way it's narrated. If you're changing it the way it's, the way it's done, then you have fallen into the trap of the shaitan. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So alhamdulillah, we've reached the end of our lesson, which is the fiqh of the morning, evening adkar, the importance, the greatness of it, the, the virtues of it, the benefits and the fruits of it. We've spoken about the timing of it. We've spoken about the method of it. Um, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will speak about, we'll go through the list of the adkar. Um, and we will go through an explanation of them so that we have a decent understanding of each dhikr, so that when we recite them, we recite them with good understanding, uh, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, ashadu ala ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.